Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, Managing Madrid Podcast listeners? This is Keon Sobani on a Friday, hitting you with some clips from last night's post-game podcast. So two hours after the game, after Ewan McTeer returned from the Bernabeu from the Classico, we hopped on Zoom. We broke that game down in its entirety in front of a bunch of patrons live on the call who joined us. And we did Q&A at the end. There was a live chat flying away, talking about the game. We broke that strange Classico down to its core, every single detail. And if you want access to the whole thing, it's over on patreon.com slash managingmadrid. We do one weekly Zoom call together with Maridisas. We do at least two bonus shows, but you know we're aiming for three bonus shows now over on Patreon. So get in on the action and don't miss a beat and get access to the whole podcast and also get access to th- today's mailbag that is going up later tonight. And we look forward to seeing you on the inside in the ever-growing Real Madrid family. Thanks, guys. Enjoy the clip. Let's get it. You know, I was among those journalists who wrote some, I, I wrote two pieces about this. We Your spent, piece, yeah. Yeah, we spent two podcasts talking about this. And my whole thing was, you got to give them a psychological blow this leg. Forget the second leg. They got players coming back the second leg. You have to give them a heavy defeat now. Derail their confidence for the league. Even if you're not going to come back in the league, just make them think twice about it. Uh and, and try to use this as a catapult to launch yourself psychologically over them. And if you told me before the game that after all of that narrative that I was pushing and other people were pushing that Real Madrid would not register a single shot on target in the Classico for the first time uh, since, I forget the stat, I actually have it here. Uh, for the first time, since 2010. Maybe 2010. The Mourinho 5-0, maybe. Maybe, no. yeah. Um, so if you would have told me that before the game that it would be the first time that Real Madrid wouldn't register a single shot in a Clasico since 2010 on goal, and then after the game, the whole thing would be Ancelotti saying, we got to repeat this performance in the Camp Nou, 
and then Chavi coming out and saying we were dominated. What is happening? Like, how how did we get to this stage? It it, it doesn't add up to me. I, I'm again, I'm trying to make sense of it all. Why don't we start here, Ewan? The starting lineup. Um, I was a little bit. I, I was. I was a little bit surprised that we did get Cruz and Mortar starting together. I was also a little bit surprised that mm-hmm. upon seeing that lineup, that we actually were playing an aggressive high line and controlling the ball uh, with that team. I thought we would have been a little bit more conservative, um, but it turns out. I mean, Barcelona threatened us twice. I think on the counterattack. So there is that. We didn't really suffer defensively playing that way. It's possible we would have conceded more chances going into a deep block. So that part doesn't bother me as much. Why don't you talk us through the starting lineup and um, if you thought there were any surprisable omissions? Yeah, you hit the, the, for me, the surprise was Modric and Cruz. And together, I kind of expected Modric to play. He's suspended at the weekend against Betis, so you know might as well play him now because he can't play at the weekend. Um, the other players will, will play on, on Sunday. Uh, Cruz was one that, for that reason, I already thought maybe Cruz gets left out. And then Antotti made some interesting comments in the pre-match where he said, you know, by the way, which was kind of unprompted, said, by the way, if Cruz is left out, the reason is because, um, you know, uh, it would be because we want more energy. That would be the reason. So well, why would you even mention that Cruz might be left out? Why are you already trying to justify that um, if you're not about to leave Cruz out? And then <laughs> he started them. So that that caught me, caught me off guard. And then apart from that, I think it was... Um, pretty much as expected. Maybe Germany ahead of Camavinga or, or Germany in there somewhere. Um, you know, I wrote about this in, in my free answers, free questions piece. Something just doesn't seem right with Germany. I don't think it's a form um, thing. You know, he's not been at his best since the World Cup. But I think the fact that he's still not playing very much, didn't come on to the 74th minute today. I think he isn't 100% physically. There, there can't be any other reasons. So um, that kind of caught me off guard as well. But apart from that, pretty much as expected, the team sheet writes itself just now in defence and in attack with Rodrigo not 100%. I think it was as we expected to. Like, the, the proof is there. The fact that they didn't register a single shot on target proves that they weren't coming up with good solutions to break this Barca defence. They had a ton of the ball. I would say like in the first 20 minutes, there was some momentum that Real Madrid had that Barcelona really had no idea what they were doing. And and defensively, I thought they really struggled to get their structure together. I think over time, especially after that weird goal they scored where Kamavinga loses the ball, the ball bounces off of um, Militao and Nacho like 100 times and it goes in. After that, it felt like Barca at least regained some kind of defensive structure and defended well for the rest of the game. It was surprising to me that Barca defended like that. It felt like we were playing like against, uh, I don't know, Akadi's low block for this game. What was even more surprising that because I, I actually was like, you know what, Xavi, respect. I always said that you have no plan B. You don't. You you have to play one way, and now you you got it going into a, a Jose Mourinho low block. But then double surprise, Xavi came out and totally took the credit away from himself. Where he was like, that wasn't the plan. We were getting dominated. We didn't want to defend. Like we just had to defend because we had no idea how to get the ball from Real Madrid. That was another twist in this entire entire thing. Um, I gotta say, like it was su- just surprising the way this game unfolded, and I think somewhat troubling that we couldn't really find a solution to break their low block. And I'm, to be honest, I'm not saying it's easy. A lot of people are like, "Well, this is." just you guys got to come up with some more clever ways than giving the ball to Vinicius or 
asking Carvajal to cross 300 times in the box and hoping something happens, it's not going to work. It is not easy defending low blocks. I mean, Barcelona had 7 to, to 11 players in the box this entire game. It was very strange to see them play like that. And it's not easy to break down. But I do think when you this fast, fast forward to the subs for a second, we'll go all over the place. But to me, Ceballos in this game made a lot of sense. When, you know, because he has the verticality, he has the energy, and he has at least gives you some unpredictability and vision in the box and some ability to link up outside the box and also win the ball. His presence would have made more sense than true many in this game because you weren't really suffering transition attacks. Um, so that was yeah. that was a weird one. But what was your, I guess, assessment of the 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 first half and how that went for both sides? Yeah, I mean, like you said, Real Madrid started. You could tell from they were on it from the off. You could really tell that you know this was a Barcelona team that even if Chappie wasn't taking credit for um, <laughs> uh, playing the Cadiz style, they, uh, whether by design or because of the absences, they they did have to sit back and they looked a bit um, more comfortable than I thought they might. Um, especially Marcus Alonso coming in for Christensen. That was more of a late um, absentee that we didn't really know about until today. Um, I thought that's a weakness. Alonso has not had um, many good performances there at centre-back. He looked shaky in those first 20 minutes. But as you say, pretty much about the time when they got the goal, I think that also gave them a bit more belief and confidence. You know, 20 minutes getting overrun at the Bernabeu, looking up front and seeing Rafinha, who's losing every ball, and Ferran Torres, who's losing every ball doesn't give you much hope but when you have a goal to cling on to that suddenly changes everything not not just for we could get a 1-0 win but okay our objective was probably to get a draw <laughs> now we can concede one goal <laughs> and get that so I think that gave them an extra belief to be like okay uh, that was tough but now we've got only three quarters of the game left let's go and from there the defence was really good and this was Xavi's main point in the in the press conference you know that they defended so well. The back four, he went across all four of the players, talked about their, uh, what they were good at. You know, he was described, mall, 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 Ben. <laughs> you know, you don't need to speak Catalan to know how many, uh, how well he thought they did there. Um, you know, Alonso really stood out. Araujo just erased himself and Vinicius. That was just, you take them both off the board. Um, and from there, you know, Real Madrid did lack solutions all season has been give the ball to Vinicius. If it doesn't work, give it to him again. And when you have a player like Araujo who just erases him, or, you know, some people might think, well, you know, Vinicius got the byline a few times. I think Araujo ushers him there. That's his plan. He ushers him to the byline, lets him put in cross and practice for Tostegan, which we saw a million, a million times today. Little low crosses from Vinicius, cutting back from the byline. Tostegan just picking those up. Easy. So I would say Vinicius was erased from this game, which is kind of normal. You've got Araujo, he's the one uh, right back who's only been able to stop, the only right back, I should say, who's been able to stop him in what we've seen the last couple of years. But that is when you need to have other solutions other than Vinicius, and there just weren't any. Like you say, Ceballos maybe could have been, uh, Rodrigo sometimes can do something from the right. Remember, he's not 100% fit. It was just disappointing that um, they, they couldn't come up with something else to target, you know, Marcus Alonso to target, Baldi, who's had a really good game, but is still inexperienced, not the best in the air. They they didn't do that. That I think so. Everything that you just said, I think, opens up an entirely fa uh, different fascinating discussion because you know Vinicius versus Araujo. Like I'm not surprised that Araujo had a great game. I think he's a fantastic defender. I would push back on a little bit in saying that he's the only 
right back that has stopped Vinicius. I think there's been plenty. I mean, not stop. I don't know if stop is the right word, but there's been a lot of right backs who have defended him well. I mean, Reese James uh, in recent memory was awesome until he got injured. Uh, and then Christensen was on the right back. I can't remember the exact order of how that happened, but, you know, mm-hmm. that was one. You know, and then there's been right backs who have defended him well, um, like like the Fresnetas, um, you know. Voice could... one that comes to mind. Voice is a good one. Games. There's been sure. others that are just yeah. kind of slipping in my mind right now. But I guess yeah. so my I more meant is... that not, not so much defend them well, but more like erase. Like that, that's not an option really. Like, you you know, um, erase himself and erase Vinicius. Like I've never quite seen it like that where they both, it's basically 10 against 10. Um, when you have that Vinicius around hope even though Real Madrid keep going back to it even though it means we get to keep watching it time and time again which to me is fascinating um, that Joe well I think that's that's frustrating because Ancelotti has to know this going into this game that this is going to be something that he like I wrote about this yesterday we know that like even like when Araujo defends Vinicius really well there's usually one or two moments Vinicius will get past him and they're there are kind of consequential moments in the game that that's all it takes. But to me, that Carlo's job is to increase the volume of chances that Vinicius can get behind Araujo. And that is not going to be dependent on giving the ball to him and letting him try a million times. How you're going to do that is to free up space for him. And this is to me why, in a lot of ways, the Rodrigo was sub, sub was delayed. Because Lucas and I were talking about this before, or maybe it was Jose and I were talking about this before the game, that... Rodrigo's presence in a game like this would help Vinicius a lot because Rodrigo is not a stationary right winger. Fede will stay on the right uh, or or drift centrally at best. Rodrigo comes over to the left a lot and just drags players away for Vinicius and helps those three together help overload that left side. And I think that's one thing you would have gotten with Rodrigo if he had come in earlier. Um, You know, I just don't... like. I think in a lot of ways, when Carlos says after the game that we we just have to repeat this performance, no, I think I think in a lot of ways he's overrating Real Madrid's performance when he says that. I think yeah. I think he has to find better. I think he has to be better. I think he has to find better solutions than um, the solutions we had. And in some ways, I think it's you know we talked about taking the game to Barca and, and taking a high and going into a high line. It almost seemed like. It was the other extreme version of of what we're what we saw like in the Super Cup of sitting back. It was the other extreme version, and in some ways, um, it closed Barca to a point where there was no open space left. And I wonder if like you almost want to open up the game a little bit more. I it's it's an interesting tactical juggle. I find uh, again, I know a lot of people are upset with Angelotti. I. It's hard to find solutions sometimes against a low block that defends well, but I do think that he needed to do a better job of finding ways to create space and drag defenders away. And another thing that, you know, again, we have to mention in a game like this, we can criticize the midfield and the attack. We get no offensive production from our fullbacks at all. Um, Carvajal is just not that reliable player he was years ago. Nacho, God bless him, and he actually tried to make some overloads in this game. He's not that type of wing back. Not having production from the fullbacks really hurts us in games like this, especially where you need that creative outlet. Like, imagine if you had Marcelo and Vinicius, right, on the left side today to 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 pull Araujo around a little bit. Yeah. You just didn't have that. Because it, it almost happened a couple of times where the only time 
especially in the first half, where you thought, okay, hang on, uh, there might be an opening here, was when Real Madrid broke, got forward quickly, Nacho has the ball, and Araujo finds himself, they've managed to switch, and Araujo is up against Nacho. And you could almost see, as Nacho's standing there preparing to do something, Araujo's there waiting for him to do something. You could almost see from as high up as the press box is, you could almost see the panic in Araujo's face, like, ah, crap, I'm not supposed to be on Nacho, where's Vinicius? And that happened two or three times, especially in the first half, where Nacho got one-on-one with Araujo, who looked panicked to find out where Vinicius was, but they never quite managed to exploit that because it's natural. But like you say, imagine that's a different fullback. Araujo can't, you know, marshal those two um, himself. And, you know, when it is natural, he can, you know, probably win it off natural. If not, you know, you know, he's quick enough to get to wherever natural puts it. So you're right, the fullbacks is, is a problem. But um, even with those fullbacks, you know, you've had those fullbacks all season, you know what you've got. Um, you know, even when Mondi was there, it's not like that was much better. So I still don't think that's um, that justifies the lack of um, creativity or finding other options uh, against the low block because this isn't a new problem. And, uh, you know, it's not like you have two elite attacking fullbacks and they were missing for one game and you struggle. No, this is we've seen this time and time again. And, um, yeah, I think this game just opens a wide debate to um, how do Real Madrid attack low blocks. And weirdly, it comes uh, this debate from, from a Clásico against... Uh, you know, Chavi's Barcelona. Yeah, yeah. It's it's so it's so a little bit surreal to see it that way. I mean, the yeah, the fullback production is nothing new, the lack of it. Um, you know, Jamal in the chat is making the point that we didn't test Balde or Marcos Alonso. That was a left back and center back pairing yeah. on that side. Um, I mean, we don't have a fullback that can attack them. Like that's the thing. We don't have a dribbler on the right side either. We don't have a line breaker on that side. I mean, Carvajal now, his game is essentially, uh, his entire offensive game is get the ball and do a diagonal cross. That's that's the that's basically yeah. the ceiling of his offense at this stage of his career. That's all he can do. Yeah. Uh, and that's just deeper and deeper. Yeah, and it's just too predictable. Every now and then, it's gonna create something good, like it did against Manchester City at the end of that game. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But you know. <laughs> It's not a reliable source of offense, I don't think. And so that, that that's something I just we we know this. It's not a secret. It's a, it's the attacking ability of the fullbacks is something that needs to be addressed moving forward. And these are the games when when it really hurts you. Um what did you think of Kamavinga's performance in this game? So I like Kamavinga in this game, and I've seen a, some sort of mixed uh, reactions to it, but I think he was the one that kind of made the game the way it was in this in the positive sense for Madrid. He was winning the ball back really well. Those clean tackles you talk about uh, all the time, made so many of them, wins the ball back whenever Barcelona even tried to transition, gets on the front foot, is doing something forward. Okay, he loses the ball a little bit more than you would like for someone in that position. Obviously, that's... Uh, what leads to the Barcelona the Barcelona goal, but I think his energy and intensity, which that's been the word in in the debate about who starts midfield, energy. That's the word that's, that keeps coming up. He had that energy, and he was the one driving the team forward to to the final third, to the Barcelona box, and from there, that's where it kind of stalled. But I don't think it's Camavinga's job uh, to find out how to unpick a low block in the final third, especially when he's playing 
in the sixth row. So I think he did his job of bring the team up, use your energy, get Barcelona, bend back, bring the team with you and position the team outside the Barcelona box. And from there, that's when you expect your Modric, Cruz, Bios, if he were on the wingers, Benzema dropping deep to do something that unblocks that. So I can't blame Camavinga for the, the lack of attacking output. And I think, you know, defensively, I mean, you know, apart from the mistake, I thought he was perfect at cleaning up and, and launching a new attack. What did you think? Were you on the pro or anti-Camavinga? Because I've seen both for this game, I mean, not in general. Um, I thought I was I thought it was a good performance, I, which I think was unfortunately tainted by the giveaway. And I and I think it's unfortunate that we tend to analyze and, and we, we really remember the bad stuff under a microscope because they can the bad stuff is so consequential. And uh, that's just how it is. Uh, but I thought, you know, like up until that point, like I was full of a praise for him. He was loose in that possession in possession that moment. He was also loose in possession in another moment in the second half where Barcelona then broke, but uh broke free. And then he sprinted and won the ball back and made, made up for his mistake. Overall, I thought his tackling was really good. Uh, I thought he was making good decisions on the ball. Sometimes it wasn't perfect, but you know, he was involved. He was not shy. And I think overall, I thought he was he was pretty good. Uh, but again, the problem was that he made a, a very consequential mistake. And I think people will remember that stuff. And again, he, he made another bad mistake in the second half, which he made up for himself. The other thing is his position, I thought, was some people, I think, misinterpreted it. I didn't see it as a six. I thought Cruz was a six in this game. I know a lot of people said, okay, Kamavinga is the six and he should play there. He shouldn't play there. Whatever debate on that is, is perpetual. I thought Cruz was a deeper player today, and Kamavinga and Mordic were getting up the pitch more. At best, it was a double pivot with Kamavinga and Cruz dropping in that zone, but I don't think he was in a single pivot today. And it was very interesting to see that Kamavinga and Mordic were leading the press in that first half, that, that tsunami of pressing we had in the first 20 minutes. They were leading that, and Cruz was dropping back. Again, I thought Cruz was pretty good. I mean, uh, Kamavinga was pretty good. And unfortunately, just had a moment that really popped, and and that was the margin of error today. But you look at halftime, like, okay, let's regroup. Let's figure out what's going wrong and come back. And there was nothing in the second half. Nothing. Just a lot of passing. Nothing. Not, there was no actual tangible improvement. Like, okay, we did this better. Now we increased our chances in scoring. Basically, we just kept doing what we were trying to do. And Barca just went into a deeper and deeper defensive block. Um, here's, I'll add some more criticism to this. Um, mm-hmm. Alva, like you're crossing a million times in this game. Again, Carvajal, get yeah. the ball to Carvajal, cross in the box. It could have, it could have continued for another five days, this game, just extend the game. It, Barca would have cleared every single cross. But if you're going to do that, yeah. why bring in Alvaro in minute 84 and not minute 64? Yeah. So give, give the, another powering presence in the box to help Benzema and Militao and Rudiger on set pieces. That's one thing. Um, Cruz coming out in minute 74, which I don't, I don't even think Cruz in a vacuum was bad. I mean, there's nothing really for him to be bad about. He, he played as a six in a game where the, there was no real threat to, to, to punish him defensively. And 
he was part of the players who were keeping the ball. I don't really have any criticism of him in a vacuum, but um, too many comes in the 74th minute. Again, I think this is a, this is a sub you make in the 60th minute earlier. And it's a bios that you bring in for more verticality and more dribbling and more line breaking. That That's another one. Cause that whole thing was, that whole sub was, was a little bit strange and kind of threw Real Madrid off, I think for five minutes, because basically you had, um, I mean, sorry, the Rodrigo one even. The Rodrigo comes in, he goes where Valverde was, Valverde drops into midfield where Camavinga was. Camavinga moves a bit more left and he's, um, you know, filling in more where Nacho was, was Nacho came off for, for Rodrigo. And it was one of these kind of subs that kind of, in theory, everybody knows how to play these positions, but you're you're changing it up in the middle of a game. And we spoke about this actually after the derby when Ancelotti changed the entire midfield at once Mm-hmm. And we didn't quite see if that back would have backfired or not because um, Atletico had the red card like a minute later. So, you know, um, scientific experiment hat, you know, there's different variables that explain what happened. With this one, it's, you know, I think the versatility of these players like Valverde, like Camavinga, like Nacho, that's great. But I don't think you want to keep moving these pieces around in the middle of the game so much. We are criticising him, to be fair, for not trying different things. He's trying something there. He's trying to move people around the chessboard to try and find different angles. I get it. But when you have Ceballos there, which is just a lot more of a like-for-like, simple substitution, you only have to change one player. That would have made much more sense to me, even at the time of the Rodrigo change. Essentially, the whole premise of breaking a low block and how you do it is you have to try to get defenders dragged out of their position you do that through runs off the ball you do that through overloads and you do that through a lot of of runs with your fullbacks and quick switching to like it's just quick movement quick passing and runs all over the field that and and unpredictable runs to drag people out of space when when you have Carvajal as your right back and Nacho as your left back, it's it's a kind of bit of a crutch in doing that exact thing. And that's a, like, I, I mean, we didn't talk about this, Ewan, but there was that period where Kamaving actually played left back in this game. I actually think like of all games for Kamaving to play left back in a game like this, it does make sense because you're not getting tested too much defensively in transition and you can get away with gambling and putting Kamavinga up the field to help in that scenario. I don't really remember many noteworthy moments of him getting in the final third, but, um, but you know, maybe they were there and I just missed them. But uh, you know what, like you need, and I'm not saying he's the solution at all, but you need the, the profile of like a Vinicius Tobias in games like this. And I have criticisms of Vinicius Tobias. I'm not saying he's ready or not. I'm just saying, because like I, I tweeted about this after the last Castilla game, or the UEFA Youth League game, which was, I think, yesterday. Um, yeah. He's kind of like, he is in, in some ways like his namesake, Vinicius Jr., where every time he gets the ball, he has to just dribble. Like, I don't care. Like, there's eight players, one player, who's and where he is. And he has to kind of like, he just always dribbles. And that can often be he dribbles into trouble. But sometimes he also gets past his man and dribbles, gets into the box. You need someone of that profile, I think, in games like this. Um, and again, I, I just don't think the the solution of breaking the low block was not to keep feeding the cop, the ball to Carvajal from a diagonal position and getting him to pump diagonal crosses to the box. I think... Again, it's a, that needs to be addressed more, in my opinion, more so than backup striker, more so than 
uh, right wing. The, it's the wing back slot. Right back. We got Fran Garcia coming in the summer, but right back, you need a profile that can help you in games like this. It needs to be addressed. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.